Hi, I am Roberto. In this video, I present to you a conversation that I had with the researcher in psychology, Keegan Nittel. He's a researcher from the University of Helsinki in Finland. And yeah, he specializes in motivation and behavior change. And he has done that in multiple areas, such as physical activity, but also for populations with chronic conditions. And specifically in this conversation, we spoke about a very interesting study that he and his colleagues conducted, which is, was published under the title, The Compendium of Self-Enactable Techniques to Change and Self-Manage Motivation and Behavior, version 1.0. So this paper is very recent, it's from 2020, and it's not only recent, but it's also quite interesting. So as a short introduction, just ask yourself have you ever been in that situation where you wish to make a change in your life and when you want to change something but you don't know how to start it could be either picking up a good habit or removing a bad one and you know that's the key moment where we don't know really what the first step should be and what the compendium does is that it helps us through that process so what keegan needle and his colleagues did was actually make a collection of 123 techniques that we can use and experiment with to basically control and manage our own behavior. So just so you know, it, there are many things that are, are important in the way that, that this work was developed, that this compendium was uh, built, because first of all, they took a look at many other taxonomies, which in science are ways of classifying techniques to change behavior. And they also did that with a very interesting open science approach. And the important thing about that is that they even have a general version to the public. So anybody can just look at this information and try to use it for their own case. Uh, now, like I said, uh, I think at least I managed to get you curious about this compendium. It's something that you can just get into it and try for yourself and start experimenting with behavior change. So here is my conversation with Keegan Needle. I would like to start actually with you. Can you just maybe briefly provide a, a brief professional introduction about yourself and what you're doing right now? Yeah, my name is Keegan Niddle. I'm a university researcher at the University of Helsinki. I've done a lot of work in developing behavior change interventions, specifically self-management type interventions for people with chronic illnesses, rheumatoid arthritis, type 2 diabetes, and for people at risk of developing uh, non-communicable diseases, specifically type 2 diabetes and uh, cardiovascular diseases. I've bounced around Europe since about 2006. I did my master's in Leiden University in the Netherlands and stayed there to do a PhD and then did a postdoc in Newcastle University and have since 2014 been here in Helsinki. Nice. Uh, yeah, I met a lot of great people along the way. And yeah, can, can I ask uh, what are your kind of main professional interests? I mean, you have worked with different uh, conditions, for example, but is it maybe self-management or what are the key words of your... So my key words, I guess, in terms of the research I'm most interested in is is motivation and specifically I've done the most work and motivation for physical activity. Mm. I'm really curious how you can get someone who hasn't considered even changing their behavior to A, consider it and B, take first steps toward changing. And 
that's something that's really overlooked. We have a lot of interventions and a lot of you know, ways that we think we can motivate people to change behavior, which is, which is good. And some of them do have effectiveness and can increase motivation. But most of these in research articles have been delivered to people who are already kind of motivated in that they're signing up to take part in a study about physical activity motivation or about motivation more generally. So uh, how can you reach the people who are more difficult to reach and get them motivated? Uh, it's yeah. quite clear, especially for physical activity, that the people who could most benefit from an intervention are the people least likely to join up to intervention. So bridging this gap between uh, yeah, reaching, the, reaching the unreachable, let me just, right. just put right. it that way. Nice, interesting. And actually, maybe before we before I jump into the topic of the the compendium, the article that you that you published in two thousand twenty, uh, I, I just want to ask also, kind of, if if you want to say a bit of the personal aspect in all of this of motivation, because I, like I said, I have a similar interest, and I I think it's always very useful when you kind of apply your own techniques and your own knowledge to yourself. Is that something that you have experienced, like also kind of the difficulty in that in your daily life, or? Or how do you separate this, you know? What kind of scientific knowledge do you use for yourself? <laughs> That's really interesting. Uh, I, I mean, we're humans, right? We cannot always be super motivated. We're still yeah, <laughs> that's true. And I, I can't say that I always practice what I preach in that regard. I, I you know, published this article on 123 different self-enactable techniques that people can use. And I've got to be honest, in real life, I've maybe used... 20 of them so yeah, there's yeah. uh there's lots of room for me to further improve motivation yeah. where i see their need to be yeah no that but yeah one key thing about this uh this compendium and this list is that the first thing we always ask people to do in it is to follow technique number one agenda mapping yeah. Yeah. which is basically to choose what behavior you might consider self-manage managing or changing and which behavior you might need a boost in motivation for. Yeah. So if you haven't picked a behavior or if you, you don't understand what behavior it is you want to change, the compendium isn't going to be much help. It's really for people who have an idea about a behavior they might want to change. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, that was one of the, of the questions I had because uh, yeah, it, it was very clear, and also in, in the general version that you have of this companion, you you provide these instructions, this introduction of key topics. I thought that was important, and then you say, yeah, that the first technique, uh, agenda mapping, and then I think there are the second and third are also follow-ups that directly uh, go after that, brainstorming all of this. Um, yeah, yeah, you say this should be the start, and I was wondering, uh, you know, I, I I will agree that this is uh, the ideal start. But as we know, I mean, a lot of theories, so for example, goal setting theory also points out the fact, and we know that sometimes the motivation comes from external incentives, right? Like, or some feedback, somebody gave you some input, like somebody points towards something, maybe not in the best manner, sometimes in good manners that, that you can improve. Uh, and you are, I think, a motivation expert. Is this, what are the consequences? Maybe you just explain it a bit, but really what are the consequences of when someone starts behavior change or tries to change behavior by dealing with kind of or starting with extrinsic input rather than a thoughtful uh, consciousness so you see like that could be 
uh, leading to somewhere less effective in the long run? Um, in the long run, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, but anything that gets somebody to consider, yeah. to openly consider what they might be willing to change or might be able to change, I think is a good step. Of course, if someone is trying to force another person to change their behavior, there's going to be resistance. The person is going to pull back. They're going to not want to listen to what the person is saying. And the reason for this is uh, something within motivational interviewing that is a very, very common statement is this notion of ambivalence. So if somebody has a behavior, say they could benefit from a change uh, by making a change in that behavior, uh, they probably know what they would gain if they changed. And they also know what they would gain if things stay the same. Yeah. And if somebody is, is pushing them, say, you need to change because of this and this and this reason, if, if, if someone external gives this other side of the argument, the person themselves fills in the other side of the argument. Yeah. And just because all of that information is already in their head, and if they're hearing this, then they say, yeah, but there's also this. So according to self-perception theory of, of Daryl Bem, it's really not great in trying to change behavior when people are always themselves bringing forward the counter arguments to mm -hmm. change. So a better way to do that would be to ask people questions that might give this pro argument. Yeah. Why would you make a change? what would be in it for you to get them to say here's the positives um so yeah that's a, yeah. a really important way if you're trying to get someone to change their behavior to to do it to let them bring the positives and the pro change arguments right yeah yeah very interesting and, and now i would like to address kind of the also the origin of, of this work on the compendium uh, can you talk a bit about what was how was this study originated? Was it connected to a larger project or was it just somebody's ideas that, I mean, you talk a lot in the introduction of your article, of course, the other taxonomies that exist, but what, was there like a, a specific point of origin that, that this work started to, to become uh, developed? So the idea for the study came from uh, Professor Nelly Honkinen, who I work closely with, uh, and she had published a couple of papers. And I had also published a paper which shows that, uh, well, okay, let me back up. A lot of the techniques present within existing taxonomies, so a lot of behavior change techniques require somebody to take an action themselves. So if there is, if you tell the person to make an action plan, they have to actually make the action plan and it has to be specific enough. And if you ask them to self-monitor their behavior, to keep track of their steps of physical activity per day, they have to actually take take notes of this and actually keep track of it. And there's evidence that the greater extent to which people self-enact actually use these techniques on their own, the more their behavior changes as a result and the more that behavior is likely to be maintained in the longer term. So really putting in the effort in enacting these techniques is key to creating behavior change and keeping it going in the long term. And so as I said, both Nelly and I had published uh, papers that give some evidence to this notion. And yeah, Nelly had a, a brilliant idea to, to have an entire research project around these actions that people can themselves take. 
uh, and this compendium was the the first first step in that direction. Nice, thanks. And and then I was wondering, I told you a bit before that. I mean, I was also you could say impressed about yeah the choices that you made for not just the journal but also the the open science approach. I'm wondering if this was just. I mean, I think it, it will be normal and probably ideal that this is a way of working in modern science or in a large part, I would say, uh, just to put, uh, make things available. Uh, and I was also wondering about the general version that you made for the compendium. Was this all some kind of requirement that, that you adhere to or was it something that was seen as necessary also because of the goal of the research? Uh, our research group operates almost strictly under open science principles. Uh, we think that it's it's crucial to to having science that is replicable and open and clear and transparent. And um, yeah, everyone in our, our group at least recognizes that the replication crisis had put a, a damper on what we can say as psychologists and, and research psychologists and has made us seem a little bit less trustworthy perhaps in the eyes of the general public. So we find it important to take steps to try and rectify that image. So we pre-register every study that we, we take part in and make all materials and protocols and things open uh, fully, generally through the open science framework, in addition was, to publishing preprints and, and those sort of things. Was there a requirement or is there a uh, kind of, I don't know, like a bullet point or something to deliver general versions of the public or was this only a, a specific input for, for this type of study, which like I said, made sense to have this? Yeah, that was uh, just, just for this, type of study. So the reason we have this version for the general public is when we did some interviews uh, with people around some of the techniques. Uh, we had a, a student, Franziska Ebrecht, who was working on that. Uh, yeah, the interviews showed that people didn't understand some of the terms and that they needed some sort of guidance to how to get started. They would, would look at the, the technique definitions and examples and not necessarily understand everything fully. So the, the idea of a, a glossary and introduction was just to get members of the general public up to speed, so right. to speak, with, yeah. with how they might use this compendium and what it yeah. might mean for them. Yeah, yeah, thanks. That. Yeah, I definitely tell you it, it was uh, interesting to do it that way. And I, I will imagine that most scientific articles could have this kind of version maybe in a, some way, right? But, but yeah, I think it was nice to have it also, especially in this topic. I was wondering then, my next question was, how difficult, or maybe it was already there, uh, was it to arrive at the term self-enaction or self-enactable? Because I see in the article, for example, you also use self-deploy, I mean, which I think could be some kind of a synonym. Uh, it, was it difficult to arrive at this or was it already done also in previous works? Um, we had a lot of discussion about what we would actually call these, these things. We had uh, agentic actions, so actions that people could themselves take to be the agents. We had uh self-help techniques we had self-management techniques but we really wanted to get at the core of the the enactment the actual doing of something and yeah that that's how we landed on that uh, there was uh, we we also took some time in trying to find the name yeah. so uh, we had so there's 123 techniques in the name or in in the compendium and we had gone for 123 agentic 
behavior change actions. So one, two, three, ABC was, <laughs> was one original version. Another one was the list of self-help intervention techniques, mm -hmm. the shit list. And <laughs> that, that one, this that was one very brainstormy, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that one was, was pretty good. And I think, um, we had Jenny McSherry visiting our group and I think she came up with that idea. Oh, that's very uh, interesting. <laughs> but in the end, yeah, one of one of our co-authors, Marguerite Beatty, had the idea of like a, a compilation, like um, sort of like a mixtape that you would you know make for your friend and, and give them a compilation of, of things and comp, 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 comp. And then I came up with with compendium, and that's that's yeah. where we landed. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, because other kind of lists are named as taxonomies, right? And they, okay, taxonomy is a, is a, it has a definition of its own, but compendium, I, I thought, yeah, it, it, it does show a bit more practicality about it. Yeah, and we pulled, we didn't come up with any new techniques on our own. The idea yeah. was we're compiling these things from different, different sources. And yeah. that's so, uh, I mean, you, you already mentioned a bit about the, um you know the the initial techniques and uh, that you collected all of these from from different taxonomies i was wondering because i mean you you use or you took a look at uh, different taxonomies uh, some of them honestly i didn't even know i i of course knew mickey's uh, group uh, like the bbct uh, that is widely used now and i know the intervention mapping a bit uh, uh, but you even I think found or knew and used uh, a lot of others. Was there any taxonomy that was kind of striking to you in terms of it stood out from what the others were doing? Mm, not particularly. So the another one that we used was from uh, sort of classifying techniques that would be used in motivational interviewing. And so if if you're motivational, giving a motivational interview to someone there's always like a therapist or a counselor yeah. or somebody giving the motivational interview to someone else. So that doesn't necessarily lend itself to self-enactment. But a few of those techniques, we were able to, to find a way that someone could themselves get the same thought processes going that you would try to do in a, in a motivational interview and yeah. bring that out. And one of our, our co-authors, um, was a, uh, an author on, on that paper. And then the self-determination theory uh, taxonomy is based, is, is drawn from techniques used in self-determination theory interventions, targeting the basic psychological needs of autonomy, competence, and relatedness. And one of our co-authors, Marta Marquez, is an author on that one. Uh, and then my former PhD supervisor, Stan Moss, had published in 2005, a list of different self-regulation strategies. And so we knew that one and mm -hmm. pulled that one in. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, then the, the final one that we had was this Oxfab, Oxford Food and Beverage Taxonomy, which yeah. is probably the most detailed of any of the taxonomies that we included, but it's, it's limited to dietary behavior change. And it has, yeah, so goal setting is broken down into many different facets of goal setting and planning is broken down into many different facets, but not all of those are, are applicable when you're talking about behavior change more generally. So that's why we didn't include all of the studies and 
or that's why we didn't include all of the techniques from Oxfab. And also many of those are included in the BCTT V1, the Mickey taxonomy. Right. Yeah. Uh, thanks. But and I found that one quite interesting because yeah. it has a lot of really concrete examples and a lot of uh, clear ways that those can be, be used. Yeah. And I mean, maybe I think it should also be mentioned, you did not only look at the at taxonomies, right? Or this kind of list, you also did scoping reviews on three different fields, which one, one was sports psychology, which of course I found like an obvious interesting choice, mm -hmm. education. Uh, uh, so, so you look at, at, at these different areas of work, which I, you know, there is a lot of things done also in, in psychology or all this, uh, uh, you know, human resources approach, human resources management and these settings. So that was very interesting. Uh, I was wondering also, okay, as you said, there was, I can imagine there was a lot of discussion because you had a lot of experts I, I'm sure of, and they had, as you said, maybe they had different scopes of taxonomies of techniques. They have different areas of application, I can imagine. I was wondering what kind of techniques were were a bit more, uh, yeah, you know, contested uh, in how to include them or, or whether to include them. For example, I, I like the fact that you do address that some some techniques have adverse uh, or you know kind of side effects or have had negative effects, right? Um, you mentioned that, for example, in goal setting, which is I think you say in your article, it's okay, it's a mild uh, uh, adverse effect. It's not that. Uh, that worrisome, let's say. But of course, there is, for example, pharmacological support, <laughs> number 23. And uh, and I, I saw the definition, and I, I mean, I, I agree that this is this is, is a self-enactable technique. I, I could see it that way. And it has adverse effects. But I also honestly read, especially thinking in my sports psychology experience, like, like oh, yeah, steroids. <laughs> doping, know? yeah. Yeah, doping. It was this, I guess it was this cause, right? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And that, that, that technique is already present in the behavior change techniques taxonomy V1. And yeah, of course, you don't want people to self-medicate self without some sort of uh, you know, guidance or so, or without any sort of boundaries. So we made it clear that people should obviously get some professional advice before in enacting any sort of pharmacological support uh, on their own. Yeah, and and you know I I don't know if, I don't know if you will agree with this vision, but at least one of the things that I learned with sports psychology, sports psychology is a lot about uh, peak performance, high performance athletes, right? Olympic sports, and and by definition, what I what I learned is that yeah, high performance uh, sports, high performance especially. Uh, by definition, it's not healthy, <laughs> you know, not always healthy, or it could be, but a, a lot of it is driven by the competition and by all of these things. Uh, so end, it ends up sometimes sacrificing that part. But I mean, that was a, a, a different uh, feel, a different conversation anyway. Uh, sports psychology is also exercise psychology and ends up being performance psychology. So a lot mm -hmm. of aspects come into it. Um, another technique that I found uh, very interesting, honestly. It's actually the last one, uh, 123, which is prayer. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, one can always see the connotations about it, but it, it is a technique and it is used uh, a lot in, in all fields. Was that easy yeah, to this come is, up? This one definitely had a lot of lot of debate. And, and when we had the 
review by experts in intervention development, there were some comments like, really, can, are we including this? Is this really, really the way forward? And yeah, we couldn't ascribe it to any other technique. We, we couldn't lump it with anything else, but we could certainly see how someone might use it and feel more motivated or maybe even change their behavior as a result of it. It's not based on any particular psychological theory, uh, but it was something we uncovered in our review and yeah, felt, felt it okay to include, certainly. Was there any other that, were, that you recall were uh, also a bit uh, uh, discussed within the group or that you found interesting or maybe wanted to discuss more? Uh, some of the ones that were the most, so one of the trickiest parts of developing this compendium was to come up with examples for, you know, we wanted the examples to be instructive and to have uh, a member of the general public who reads it be reasonably able to self-enact the technique based on reading that definition. And it's not always fully clear whether they actually can. We didn't do any tests, uh, but we will be able to, hopefully, if we get this, this additional funding that we've applied for to turn the compendium into an app. Um, but some of the ones that were the most difficult to create these examples for were uh, sort of the classical conditioning type uh, type techniques. Can you classically condition yourself basically to change behavior? And we, we really struggled and, and worked a lot of hours just to come up with the examples that are there present in the, in the compendium. Um, so that was, that was a real challenge. And Yeah, so several techniques we eliminated because we simply could not come up with a, a clear example of, of to how somebody would, would be able to, to self-enact. Is there a list of, of the ones you eliminated somewhere? Yeah, right. There is a list, yes. I'm not sure It's available if I... in our OSF yeah. page. Okay, okay. In supplementary file. Yeah. No, maybe I have seen it. Maybe I was just, <laughs> I probably did not have it in my mind. Yeah, But that, that would be important, right? Because definitely the areas of application uh yeah sometimes it's a bit tricky to convey it in this kind of a general compendium right yeah, mm. yeah supplementary file four contains the earlier version of the compendium before we eliminated all of them. right nice thanks left out once yeah um yeah now now I, i i also wanted to address also something you already said a bit which was about okay when you use this first version or working in progress version of the compendium for interviews with with individuals just to see how they will uh yeah understand or not the 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 descriptions and all of it um what was your feeling of what do you think explains this kind of gap of that some people sometimes were not able to grasp it what is it and i say it in two ways right is it more that science and scientists are so used to these terminologies that it's difficult to put them to the general public or do you also recognize that you know we have we were never trained formally in behavior change at school or something like that like what how do you explain this gap yeah a lot of it was was down to terminology used like that difficult words were used hold on a second a lot of it was down to different uh, terminology that was used and different difficult words that that people weren't weren't fully familiar with and also you know in academia and academic writing we tend to use longer sentences and different sub clauses and we think that that's a clear way of communicating but it's really not uh, and one thing that I think greatly improved all of the examples was to 
to use this uh, Shakespeare tool. I think it's called Shakespeare. Oh, yeah, I remember uh, exactly what it was called. But basically, you just put your text in there and it shows you difficult sentences and shows you the reading level. And then you can just edit it until it becomes more readable, basically just by shortening the sentences, having fewer dependent clauses and yeah, just eliminating as much unnecessary stuff as possible. Yeah. And that, I think, was good. We didn't do any tests after that to see whether there had actually been an improvement in the examples, but I think there are. Uh, yeah. At least to me, reading them, they, they do seem more clear and simple as a result of that editing process. Right. Yeah, and I think it's in your article that you described several steps that took to kind of see what you were describing and how, I mean, the, the three aspects, especially that you, you measure also, in the evaluation about, con uh, yeah, just uh, coherence or congruence, right, rather, and uh, just how people were really understanding and seeing this as useful, all of, or how easy they were to self-enact, right? That, that was a key point. And I, I agree, yeah, some of the techniques do seem a bit like more, uh, requiring more effort, at least for someone who's not that uh, experienced in, in this kind of engagement. But no, I, I found it, it was a very interesting world, like I said before. I So I would just, one of the last things I would like to ask you is, you already mentioned the further development and that you are applying uh, for, for funding just to, to continue with it. Is there something that you could say about what kind of work will be needed or you're planning to, to kind of develop this again? Um, yeah, we have. So the main part would be to get this sort of self-guided uh version of the compendium. So the first step would just be to create for as many of the techniques as possible, some sort of digital tool to allow the person to self-enact the technique. So in some cases, it might be just the example uh, present in the compendium tailored to whatever behavior that they've decided to change. And, and that's an important first step is currently the examples contain different health behavior change targets. So some are about physical activity, some are about diet, some are about sleep. Uh, so to have a more comprehensive, so for every technique to have a way that the person might be able to, to target a particular behavior. So currently that matrix is only about half full, if that, if that. Yeah. So we've, we've implemented this uh, crowdsourcing tool where people can offer new examples for new behaviors. So if, if the if a technique in the compendium only targets physical activity, someone can add one for diet if they right. want. And then we review those and update them periodically. To be honest, we haven't had much, haven't had many contributions so far, but a few. Yeah. Um, well, yeah so I mean, that would be a first, first step is to, yeah. to make it more comprehensive, to give okay. people more options. And then the next thing would be to map these techniques onto something like theoretical domains framework, uh, which would allow us to identify if the person is low in self-efficacy, then okay, maybe you can try these techniques. Or if the person has social norms that are not congruent with uh, conducting of the behavior, then we can send them to, to these techniques. So a little bit of tailoring to guide people through yeah. and would be a, another addition. I mean, I found it very interesting that, and you mentioned explicitly this also in the article about technology and the possibilities to do with technology. And I think that's also what you're already planning to do, right? Uh, so 
I mean, there is definitely, is this, what do you think is the role of technology? Because uh, in this sense, you do address it also, even in the descriptions, they are sometimes implied or sometimes more explicit. Where, you know, there are some things, some of the techniques can be just done, okay, just sitting and thinking about stuff, our reflection, but others can be written as lists, like to-do lists or things like that. And others like biofeedback, for example, of course, require technology, technological devices. Um, yeah. And so is this the direction that you would like to, to reach out in the end to have this kind of technological support for this kind of uh, self-inaction? Well, yeah, where it's where it's possible, sure. I think that you know providing everybody with a biofeedback device might not be usable. <laughs> but if somebody already has a heart rate monitor on their on their watch, then maybe they can can have a plug-in which would allow that data to be synced. That's that's kind of advanced. And I think for this first round of funding, I don't think we'll get quite there, but it's yeah. a possibility for the future. Yeah, and the other one you also pointed out also in your article, right? I mean, you reference, of course, the the work that is being done about the the development of ontologies, and and I think there is a lot of uh, also work already advancing towards putting psychological theories, for example, in kind of mathematical computational form, uh, or or just ontologies as a as a set of of knowledge that really points out what are the the parameters of effectiveness, what goes where. Uh, I mean, that's also that, in essence, the taxonomies were, were pointing at, right? And I guess that could also be a contribution of your, of your compendium. I'm not sure whether the compendium lends itself to that. Um, I think that within the work on the compendium, uh, or not the compendium, but the, the ontology of, of behavior changes is to try and you know, specify everything yeah. to in the most minute detail. Yeah. And I think that there's certainly merit in that from a scientific point of view. But whether it helps the average person change their behavior, I, do, I, don't, I don't see the direct link. Of course, to build the evidence base, to have a clear specification of what works for what person and for what behavior and when and how and all of these things, yeah, you need to be able to specify these things. But at the same time, uh, that you know, behavior change interventions started as a counselor, somebody yeah. talking to someone, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, having a chat with someone about how to change a dysfunctional behavior or how to to change the behavior to achieve some sort of health goal. Okay, then there was a, you know, someone would receive cognitive behavioral therapy and that could contain any number of different behavior change techniques. There was sort of a black box yeah. and you'd compare people who received this black box intervention to people who received no intervention. And you say, oh yeah, black box is better than no intervention. So, okay. Then you'd have another group which also tests cognitive behavioral therapy and their black box looks on the inside completely different than the other black box, even though they're both called black box cognitive behavioral therapy, this one contains different ingredients than this one. So a taxonomy is really important in, in that, uh, in, in getting the names right to try and establish right. this evidence base. But so much now is being delivered through apps and you can clearly now name what it is and you can track how 
often and when and in what situations people are actually using and enacting these techniques. And that type of data, I think, is more important in promoting behavior change in the long term for more people than really trying to, to identify all of the relationships and the evidence between, uh, between modes of delivery, between mechanisms of action, between techniques themselves. It's re very important scientifically, but when it comes to changing behavior, currently, I think that right. we can gather a lot of individual data about how people use different behavior change techniques and in what settings and how effective those are. And if we can gather that type of data from hundreds of thousands of people, then that's an yeah. evidence base in itself. And it's very much hopefully helping people at the same time. So to me, I think that's a, a, a very interesting way to go in getting this individual data on what people are doing and trying to draw conclusions about effectiveness that way. Well, then uh, thank you. And, and just uh, last couple of questions, more practical um, and very short questions. For psychologists, for behavioral scientists, what are kind of the, the takeaways that you will say now about, about the article, about this article, about this compendium? How would you recommend them to, hey, use it this way for your research? It's mentioned a bit in your article, but maybe something has changed. I don't know. What would you recommend to, to researchers? So if you're, say, a, well, if, if you're a counselor or a psychologist of some type or some community worker, and you're asking people to set goals, you should check what's in the compendium about goal setting and try to identify what the person themselves who's trying to change their behavior needs to do after they leave the conversation with you. Because that, what they actually do, will indicate whether they succeed or not. So uh, understanding that when you're trying to help someone change behavior, it's not just what you do, it's what you do to get that person to do the things that are needed to change the behavior. So focusing on that and understanding what it takes for an individual to change their behavior is, is the biggest takeaway in my view at this yeah. point. Okay, thanks. And finally, so take away them for the general public, for lay persons. I mean, you already mentioned the, the crowdsourcing platform. I guess that's still active. Maybe that's a way that people might still contribute if they, if they want to, but is there, What's your general message for, for anybody who maybe gets access and sees this uh, list uh, of this compendium? Yeah, have fun with it. Behavior change is not always easy. And in order to succeed, you need to have tools at your disposal. And this is one tool that you can maybe get some new ideas of how you can, can change your behavior. We don't know exactly which ones are going to be the most effective, and we don't know for each individual, which ones are going to be the most effective, but it gives you some things you can try and gives you some things you can try to see whether you like them, whether they work for you. And if not, there's 123 in the list. So hopefully you'll <laughs> find something that, that does work for you. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you again for, for the interview, for your time. Uh, I was sure that there's a lot to discuss about this and, and I think there, you can always continue discussing, but but uh, yeah, really, th thank you for taking the time at least to, to discuss a few things about it. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. So that was my conversation with researcher Kiga Nito. I hope you got to enjoy it as much as I did. 
And as usual, if you would like to uh, read about uh, the same type of content or just listen to it, just check the description below and you can see the link to my podcast and or to my blog and just check in all related content in my social network. Uh, as usual also, I will be happy to know what you think and what you thought about this conversation and about the compendium itself. Just feel free to drop any questions, any comments that you have. And if you like this type of content, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, and like I said before, just follow me on social media. So remember, again, self-primacy, this channel is about learning, it's about practicing, it's about mastering and also about sharing techniques and strategies that you can use to exert control over your own behavior. So thank you for your attention and see you next time.